Please be seated. Please be seated. Isn't that amazing? Amazing? Yes? Good, good, good work. Uh, give a big hand to our worship team. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what they have been doing. Um, Sharon is like a fine, fine seasoned wine, right? Uh, is that a what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so thank you, Sharon, for the good job. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> Awesome, awesome. Are you ready for the Word of God? That should help you to to be uh, in tune and alert to what the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak, right? I'm not going to waste your time this morning. I want you to experience that God is real. That God actively works with you in your life. I saw the end of our worship in my dream. I saw the end of the worship in my dream as I was preparing for this worship. And I saw that people were coming for prayer at the end. And they want to, they walk forward to commit their life for, for whatever reason. And, and I hope we will see that at the end of the service today. The table is prepared. This is for you. This table is for you. Christ gave his life for you and called you to fellowship with him. You have to respond willingly. To be a part of that fellowship. So if some of you today have been struggling and thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Why do I exist in this world? I want you, I want to present Christ to you. That you may find meaning and purpose and reason in Christ. And I want you to try Jesus. I want to offer you Jesus. So at the end of the service when we're singing, you want to start your life with Christ? Please come forward. You need healing. You want to rededicate your life. I want you to come at the end of the service. So this week and last week has been a lot of uh, different experience uh, for me. My wife and I and one of our members sitting here, we were at the memorial service for one of our friends who was a Hindu and who died of cancer. Uh, But at at the end of his journey, at the end of his painful journey, uh, he found Christ through the work and effort of our friend that is sitting here. But we were praying for the mother who is now living alone. Right? Uh, And then we were with some friends uh, going through life, and life is real and hard. And they're coming and sharing to me... um, how am I going to juggle work and marriage and kids? You know, we, we, we lost a job. Uh, and we're looking for a new job. I had somebody come to me and say, um, we are facing divorce in our family. What, what, what are we going to do with this? And another one came to me and said, I've been diagnosed with this new illness in, in, and I am struggling how to cope with this you see life is real eh? life is real and then people want to hold on to something to find hope so to the family that came and said we are experiencing a divorce and separation my dad left me my husband left me I'm a single mother struggling to take care. I lost a job. I just lost my son through cancer. 
life is happening, so what should my answer be? If I say, oh, I'm an American, happy 4th of July. <laughs> Would that be a good answer? Praise God. I mean, praise God for this country, great country. I'm an American, of course. And all the things that God has given us, praise God for what God has done for this country. But there are a lot of people suffering out there. And in this jubilation and celebration of independence, how are we going to give them soul independence? Liberty within their their heart. And that's what I want to talk about today. So as good Americans and people coming from all over the world into this church. The companion of Jonah, because we're going to talk from Jonah today, sharing compassion to your neighbor. You know, the companion of Jonah were in the storm, just like the people I have described. They were in the storm, and they're so afraid, and they were going to die. This storm was so violent. The waves are big. It's tossing the ship. It's going to sink. They're probably using their bucket to throw out the water, right? And they found this guy, Jonah, a prophet of God, sleeping at the bottom of the ship. And they say, what are you doing, buddy? We're going to die. We're going to die. Do something. Why are you sleeping? Do you know what his answer was? Because we're talking about loving our neighbors. God has sent Jonah to love his neighbor. right? And this, before he get to that big city, Nineveh, he's meeting these sailors that are in the storms of life. Do you know what his answer was? I am a Hebrew. That was his first answer. I am a Hebrew. He immediately identified himself that he is a Hebrew. Different from the Gentiles. Different from the sailors. So, he, so the sailor said then, then do something. Pray to your God. That your God will save us. When you read here, I'm going to start with the end and come back in the beginning. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing them. This is how he answered God, why he ran away, right? Now let's go back to the beginning and uh, we will look at Sharing compassion to your neighbor. Okay? So, this prophet, this Jonah, who knows God, is sent to Nineveh to bring word of love and compassion because they are lost. There is no hope. And the word of God says, Arise, go to Nineveh. Jonah chapter chapter 1, verse 1. The word of God says, Arise, go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? Of course, he arose. And the next thing he did, he fled. He arose and fled. Instead of going to Nineveh, he arose and fled. And he found himself at the bottom of the ship. Right? And he said, I'm a Hebrew. And they're dying here. It is very interesting that who is trying to save whom? When you read Jonah 1... It is, it was the pagans 
who are not Hebrews. It was the pagans that were trying to save the Hebrew. Did you see that? Instead of him going and saving the neighbors, the neighbors are trying to save him. The pagans are telling him, Jonah, please pray to your God. In this conversation, God is speaking only through the pagans now, not through the religious people, not through the churchgoers. I'm a Christian. What good it is if we can't help people that are going through who has lost a job, who has lost a son, who is going through a divorce, whose husband has abandoned the wife, and the single mother is raising their kids, and you go in the midst of the storm and say, I am a Christian. What good it is? How do we love our neighbor? By having that heritage that I'm an American, I'm a Hebrew, I'm an Indian, I'm a Brazilian. What good is our heritage? God does not call us to uplift our heritage, our successes, our popularity. What He calls us is to be faithful. Did you hear that? God requires from us to be faithful. And we didn't find that in Jonah in chapter 1. And loving our neighbors requires faithfulness. Because it's very hard to love our neighbors. Because our neighbors' heart are hard. It's not easy to love our neighbors. Then it requires discipline. Otherwise, God will not say, I command you to love your neighbors. He would have given it as an option. Oh, by the way, having done all these things, if you have time and it's convenient for you, just love your neighbors also. No, he didn't say that. He commanded it, right? He commanded it. So, instead of the prophet saving the pagans, the pagans are trying to save the prophet. Isn't that the truth for all of us? For example, here, these are our good members that go to JW House. And they serve there every third uh, Tuesday of the Mandu, the people that have come there whose family members are having critical uh, surgery or uh, critical illness, and we feed them. We make meal and feed them. And when I went there, uh, they said, Oh, Pastor, your church members are the best ever who comes to this JW house, right? Give them a big hand. Give them to our church members, right? Now, I... I'm like, you know, you should have seen me standing there. It's like, <laughs> these are my church members. And I'm like smiling and so proud of our church. But sometimes we go to JW House not to save them. It saves us. We think that we're going to go and serve those people that are going to die with critical cancer or families that are going to lose their loved ones. But sometimes it saves us when we go to JW House. We find ourselves there and realize, oh, our life that we complain about is so, so minuscule compared to what they're going through. And it makes us realize that we are being petty and we are running away from God because we complain that He wants to share His compassion to other people. And we flee from our neighbors because it's not convenient for us, right? Because what's the opposite of compassion? It's detestation. You detest other people, so you run away from them. And when you detest people, you cannot love them. And when you don't have compassion for them, you're not going to reach out to them with the gospel of God. See, this is what we see. 
So God is calling Santa Clara First Baptist Church, I am a Christian, to actually live out what we say by being compassionate to the sailors. We may not have sailors here. Yes, there's one. I saw that. Thank you. But we might have many with a sailor's mouth. <laughs> Somebody's laughing very loud. I, you know, uh, and we, we, but we gotta love. We need to love the sailors in our life, right? We can't say, "Hey, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Christian. Stay away from me, you sailor." You ready? Isn't that good? Isn't that a good reminder that sometimes the pagan saves us, right? I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the heaven and the sea and the dry land. The good thing is, uh, I have reminded you that God calls us to be faithful, right? Now, here is the gospel here. Even when you're at the lowest, he was literally at the lowest, at the bottom of the deck. Okay? Running away from God, even at the lowest, you can testify to the highest. That's what I want to tell our church members. Don't wait for, I want to be super holy, let me get everything right, and then I will testify. No. Even at the lowest, when you have fled from God, when you have done so many things against the Lord, you have made so many mistakes, I do not want you to be embarrassed about God. It's not about you. It's not about your life. It's not about your action. It's about God who is consistent, faithful. You can testify to Him. This is what Jonah did. He said, throw me into the sea. You throw me into the sea. And when you throw me into the sea, this storm will come. And they were not willing to do it, but some, they were going to die. So they threw him into the sea. And what happened? The storm came. What was the reaction? These people, these sailors, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took a vow. Their life was changed even when Jonah was not at his best. Got it, my friends? You can testify about our loving, compassionate God even if your life is a mess. It's not about you. It's about God. We got to love our neighbors in our mess, in our mistakes, even when we're at the lowest. Because it's never been about us. It's always been about God. Don't be embarrassed about our God. Then be embarrassed about His love and compassion. Love Him. Love Him. I've been cast up. Chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. This is what he said. Now he finds himself in the belly of the fish. And his words were, I have been cast out. See, he had condemned Nineveh and the sailors maybe. And now he felt condemned and cast away. This is... His, his word that is coming out of Jonah now, right? The beauty of it is, oh, it's a graphic picture in Jonah chapter 2. He says, the seaweeds have wrapped around me. The violent storms and waves are going over me. You know, I have, I'm absolutely crushed here. But he took, he took, he took a vow there. I will turn toward God. 
See, this is not an easy turn, okay? The waves and the storms violently, the seaweeds, the willows all over him. He said, I will make a turn toward God. I will face toward Jerusalem. He repented. And the conviction was when he was in the belly of the fish, what was the last word in chapter 2? Salvation is of the Lord. He understood. He recognized. He was convicted that salvation is of the Lord, not from our heritage, not from being a Hebrew, not from being a Christian, not from being an American, right? But an American following the Lord. It's a big difference. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Then I said, I have ca- I've been cast out of your side. I will look again toward your holy temple. And he said, I will make a sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. It's the same confession that the sailors made to God. These pagan sailors have impacted the prophet, the prophet Jonah, the Hebrew, who came back to the Lord. Without having a relationship with God, we cannot love our neighbors. Without having that profound, meaningful encounter with God, we cannot love our neighbors. Unless and until you experience the compassion and the love of God, that you were so unworthy. And when you were so unworthy, God came down, swooped you up, embraced Him, and loved you. Unless you experience that, you cannot love your neighbors. It is very hard. We must first experience the love of God. And when you are at the lowest you are the most honest. Do you see that? When you're at the lowest, you're the most honest. That is why authenticity and vulnerability is a high, high commodity today. People like people that are honest. People like people that are vulnerable. And when you share from your bottom, when you're at the lowest, when you share in tears, when you share your pain, when you share your suffering, and how God makes meaningful, purposeful presence in your life, that shakes the foundation of even the most powerful people. It draws those people to you and says, can you share me more? They may not say in front of a lot of people, but they may send you a text. They may send you a Facebook message or an email to say, I want to hear more about that. That's how we love our neighbors, right? And then he cried out and said, Now, now we're coming to uh, 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 chapter 3, right? So the word of God came second time to Jonah, and Jonah arose, and this time he went to Nineveh. What is Nineveh? Nineveh was one of the greatest capital at that time, a Syrian capital, who were the enemy of Israel. Who were the enemy of Israel, Right? So he's going to go to this great city. He has to walk three days in order to uh, complete the entire city, right? It's a three days journey walking around here and there. He has to walk three days to share the gospel. So he said, then he cried out and said, My friends, there are words that need to be said. There are words that need to be said. There are stuff that need to be said. It could be short and sharp. But those things are needed to be said. What did he say? In 40 days, this city will be destroyed. That's it. That was the only preaching he made. 
The first day he entered into the city, in the first journey he started, yet in 40 days, this city Nineveh is going to be destroyed. He spoke like that for three days as he covered the whole city, right? There are stuff that needed to be said. There are words that needed to be said that Jesus loves you, that God loves you. These words needs to be said to everyone. That God will not forsake you. God is faithful. God is consistent. God is not like us. He is everywhere. He is all powerful. That, those stuff needed to be said. Those are words that needed to be said. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you come to Him, you will find salvation. Those words are needed to be said, my friends. We got to say those words. It may be sharp. But we got to need to say those words. It may be short, but we need to say those words. He said it. He said it to this great city, the most powerful city at that time. He said it sharp and and short. What was the reaction? Well, the city repented. Sometimes we we don't say words to our neighbors because we feel, oh, they will not accept it. They will think I'm crazy. I'm a loony, loony bean. You know, you don't know. You don't know that. You got to say it. There are words that needed to be said. And what are the words that needed to be said? I just said, if you forgot everything, tell them Jesus loves them. That God loves them. These are absolutely necessary to be said. You agree with me? I saw you shaking your head, right? Yes, yes, pastor. He cried out. He cried out, and they turned from their evil way. And so, then God saw their works, that they turned down their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Why? Because words that were needed to be said were said by somebody. Is somebody here in this building this morning? that are willing to say the words that are needed to be said. I baptized Brandy. She came to me and said, Pastor, my body is full of drugs. I've been addicted to cocaine. I've done all kinds of drugs. I needed to be clean. I need a solution. And I said, Brandy, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. I cannot do anything for you. But I can offer you Christ and you walk with Him. And you can overcome this addiction. And she said, I want to come back to the Lord. I want to follow the Lord. And she was doing good. Until something from the past happened. Right? And she was caught up in, from the past. And they had to come and get her from her house. And take her back to the prison and jail. And she was there. And we were crying out for her all the time. And I thought to myself that she was going to come out only in December. But we've been praying for her every week. My wife and I, our life group and the staff, we've been praying. We've been saying the words that needed to be said that God will redeem her and liberate her. And by God's miracle, today, Prendy is sitting there and worshiping with us. There are words that needed to be said, my friends. Stop. 
stuff that needed to be said. And that are restoration, salvation, rededication, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus can do things for us. Hallelujah. When I was in my country, now in chapter 4, this is what he said again. When I was in my country, he is still comparing Israel and Assyria. When I was in my country, didn't I tell you when I was in my country that this would happen? Jonah represents Israel's jealousy of God sharing his compassion with other nations. Did you see this? Jonah did not want God to share his compassion to other nations. He wanted for Israel. Sometimes we have that. We want it ourselves. We want the compassion to ourselves. We do not want it to other nations. We do not want it to go to people we don't know. We want the blessings to ourselves. You don't want to see our, your neighbor being blessed. You're envious and jealous when God blessed them. It riles you up. You scratch your head. Why is God blessing my neighbor instead of me? I've been going to church. I've been reading the Bible. I've read the Bible two, three times a year. I fast and pray. I give the tithes to the church regularly. I'm always there in the church. But God, why me? Look at my neighbors. You're blessing them. We cannot love our neighbors with their attitude. While I was in my country. While I was in my country. We got to let God share compassions. To others. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? That is why I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that your gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And his response was, it is better for me to die. It is better for me to die because God gave him a gourd, a plan of a gourd, because he was now looking down to the city of Nineveh from up outside. And Jonah is thinking, let's see what God will do to this city. He was, he might have said, okay, he's merciful and great, gracious, but I'm going to see this city being destroyed. Well, no, I mean, he's in the shade. The gourd gave nice shade. But God sent a worm to eat the gourd, and he sent a mighty wind again. And the heat was beating down on his head. The city is not destroyed. The gourd is destroyed. The heat, he was so miserable with himself. And he said, it is better for me to die to God, right? God has a perfect response. And I want to respond. I want you to respond to this today. So God said, Jonah, this gourd, you didn't even plant it. I provided it for you. You enjoyed the shade. You loved it when it lasted. And you're so angry now the gourd died. It's not your labor. Why are you so angry? You didn't do it. I gave it to you. Right? This is not all. But look at Nineveh, the city. There are 120,000. Can you say 120,000? 120,000 children 
not adults. There are 120,000 children in that city who does not know what is right and wrong. You're telling me to destroy this 120,000, including the cattle and the people? It ended there. There was no response from Jonah. That was the last word here. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons which are children, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. That's how the Bible ended. Look at this picture, right? Uh, okay, I'm going to use this. So city of Nineveh, right? Jonah's sitting down and watching what's going to happen. Where's the fire? Where's the storm? Where's the cloud? Because there are 120 children. <clears throat> what is the hope for Jonah? He's not with the people. He's not with the city. He's sitting away from the city. Our hope is that Jonah will come down to the city of Nineveh and dwell with them and love them and continue to provide the leadership and the voice of truth in that city. That is the hope. That's the dream. Right? We don't know whether Jonah went down and dwelt with Nineveh. We don't know that. But that's our wish. That's our hope. That Jonah probably did. Went and dwelt with them. If that happened, that is loving the neighbors. So what I'm calling you today, our church, is you are also watching your neighbors like you watch Nineveh. I hope that instead of just sitting on the fence and watching what God will do to your neighbors, please go have fellowship with them. Eat with them. Journey with them. Go, them, go with them in the park. Celebrate 4th of July with them. Invite them to our church on All Nations Sunday. Let them come to August 4th 